You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Rebecca Rosakis. Rebecca is Senior Director of Marketing at AnyClip, which is an AI-powered video platform. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Lovely to be here. Thank you very much. So we're talking today about tech stacks, MarTech stacks specifically, and even more specifically, building one, tearing it down, and then building it back up. So I know that in, in the role where you are at AnyClip, that's something you had to go through. You had to come in, get rid of what was there, and then build it back build it back up. So give us that backstory, sort of what did you see when you first started? Why did you have to dismantle that was there? So AnyClip has been around in the video space for a little while. I came in last year, so I started in April of 2021. And the company had been been around for like, I think it was like eight or nine years at that point. But at the time that my boss, the CMO, and I came in, we were in the process of pivoting. So originally the platform had built been built very much in, with online publishing in mind. And then part of what was happening was that we were expanding the product offering and pivoting to play in the enterprise SaaS space. While continuing the legacy business, still a fantastic platform for online publishing, but also expanding into this new space. And there were a couple of different challenges that kind of came with that. For one, uh, the marketing team, the previous marketing team had been very small. It was like two people and had kind of turned organically. One person had gotten an offer somewhere else. Somebody else went on turning the leave and decided to use that as a point to pivot from being B2B to B2C, which makes great sense for them. But it meant that the marketing team completely turned over right around the time that the company was doing this pivot. So... A lot of the problem was that the marketing tech stack had been built for a very different business than what the company was poised to try to become. So, for example, the Salesforce instance was entirely built for a rev share model and just did not in any way appropriately have the workflows to handle having a a ARR kind of model. It, the stages were very much skewed for a particular business model and didn't work for the new model. There was also just an enormous amount of sort of legacy data hygiene issues that was causing a lot of problems, but it went beyond that. So we also, it was plugged into Pardot and Pardot was very much set up for a particular way of marketing that was not necessarily going to be effective for what we needed to do. And as part of this transition, we were also very much rethinking how, what, what marketing strategies we wanted to take. So what what my boss had decided early on was to focus very heavily in on the ABM model of marketing, which requires a very different tech stack. It requires a very different set of procedures, even really different KPIs to make it work effectively. So with that, we, we got in and we started trying. We with The initial idea was we were going to just layer in the ABM on top of the existing stack. 
But the deeper into the project we got, the more we realized that most of the old stuff just wasn't going to work for what we now needed it to do. And that went beyond just the the marketing automation. It also went into the project management was set up on Hive and it was set up in a way that worked really well for like a two-person team, but was not going to scale well. They had chosen a like small sort of home like very small companies, CMS platform for the website. And we, we needed to completely redo the website anyway, because the content was no longer, and, and honestly, the content, it wasn't doing a good job of selling to the existing market, let alone the new market we wanted to be in. So we had to, we needed to redo the entire thing. We were doing basically a soft relaunch of the company. So entirely new branding and look and feel and everything. But as we're starting to try to, look at, oh, we'll replace the content. We started looking at the CMS. It's like, there were decisions that were made that I don't necessarily agree with from the previous team. And I suspect there's probably, I'm sure they had good reasons for why they chose what they did, but it was just not going to work for what we needed. So we went, it spiraled very quickly from, okay, we're going to bring in Terminus and Zoom Info and a couple other tools into oh no, we have to rebuild everything. Uh, so it was right, our Pardot license was about to come up for renewal anyway. And, and, and this may be a personal bias. I spent some solid time trying to figure out what we had done and learning Pardot and everything. And I don't like Pardot. Uh, and so it, we had an opportunity at this point to, it was like, well, we can jump ship right now, or we're going to be stuck with this for, you know, the next two years. So we made a very, very short decision because we, we discovered that I was about to expire and we had basically a month to make a decision and change. So we did a extremely aggressive swap over to HubSpot, but that meant that we were onboarding at the same time. We had to onboard Terminus and Zoom Info and HubSpot. We swapped from Hive to Asana because that was going to work better for the new configuration of our team. We swapped from this weird custom CMS to WordPress and at the same time moving our social stuff over to HubSpot, like using HubSpot to manage our social event or our social planning. Uh, and then a little while later, because we, we had had MixMax and we the sales team and the SD like the as we were hiring on new sales team and new SDRs they were realizing they needed more capabilities so we eventually also needed to build on sales loft and linkedin sales navigator which they had not had before the company itself was moving from google meet to zoom being our primary mm-hmm. video which was also plugging into our own platform because we are a tech company so we have our own platform to yeah. deal with and all, I, I still think I'm missing at least one, but it may occur to me later. But basically, all of this needed to be done in a couple of months at wow. the same, like simultaneously. Oh, and then we also just had to rebuild Salesforce. We had to mm. rethink the entire Salesforce workflows. Some of this also was like we brought in an SDR team and we'd never had an SDR team before. So a lot of those mm-hmm. workflows really changed. We had had initially just a publishing sales team. Now we had multiple 
sales teams. So we had ones that were geared for publishing still, but then also ones for enterprise SaaS. And as well, we also were expanding into Europe for the first time and suddenly had additional people working in Europe who had their own processes. And I mean, obviously anybody who's working outside the US is aware that there's a lot of additional requirements with GDPR compliance and everything that all has to be very much factored in to any of your marketing tech stack. So it was a lot. I spent most of last year, like up to my elbows in documentation, frantically learning all the different platforms. And we had, we've got a digital agency that's well more than a digital agency who helped us with a bunch of these integrations. They're fantastic and I love them. I, I don't know what we would do without them. They're, fan, they're just wonderful. Who was helping a lot with the building the ad tech and, and that part. But I pretty much had to get HubSpot up and running on my own because everybody else was dealing with those. And then as a group, we all had to renegotiate and rebuild the Salesforce instance. As you imagine, that always involved, because like at least the marketing, like it's just the marketing tech stack, you're within your own department, you can stay focused on. With Salesforce though, that touches every aspect of the organization. So yeah. you need to eventually get something that works for not just marketing, but also sales and operations and customer support. And so there's a lot of interpersonal negotiations and working together to try to figure out how to structure things so it works for everybody. Yeah. And sometimes wow. sometimes the negotiations are as challenging as the tech can be. I can imagine. That's, that sounds like a, a tremendous amount of work and it sounds like, and it, and it sounds pretty stressful too. Was it very it, stressful? It was, it was very stressful, but I mean, kind of like, I mean, I, I'm a systems geek. I love working through processes and workflows. I love sort of bringing organi organization to chaos. And there, there's a certain satisfaction in getting it all to click in and plug together. So I, I found it very interesting. And I definitely learned a lot. It would be very nice to not have to learn a new system for maybe another six months would be great. That'll That'll happily yeah. take on more stuff. But you can't stop learning in this field, at least not these days. And it doesn't really matter what aspect of marketing you're in. Like tech is such a big part of our lives that you really do need to put the effort into constantly learning new new tech solutions. But I don't necessarily recommend doing all of them at once. Mm -hmm. Unless you absolutely have to. Unless right. you have to, in which case, which is what we had you, to do it. So that's what you do. Yeah. You just got, you just had to get it done. So having gone through this process now, or maybe you're still, sounds like you're still in, in the midst of at least some of it. What have you learned about, you know, if you had to do this again, what would you do differently? So I think one of the biggest, I, as I said, one of the biggest challenges is less around tech and more around people. And I think, I mean, that that's just a universal, isn't it? I think one of the places that we had some struggles with, and we didn't follow through as much as in retrospect, I wish we had, was in really making sure that the other departments connected the dots in how the tech worked. So we did, I mean, we didn't, we didn't do like no trade, like we, we did training and we did a lot of trying to set the sales team up for success. But I think we were we were trying very hard to stay in our lane and not step on toes. And I think we should have found some more still gentle and respectful ways, but of following up more with making sure that 
the sales team really understood how all the pieces connected because we built this really sleek, elegant marketing machine and then discovered a while later that a lot of like it, it turned out enormous amounts of interesting data mm -hmm. and it turned out that a lot of the data a lot, not all of the, like a couple of the salespeople. And I think that was also where we got thrown was a couple of the salespeople were really using it. And mm -hmm. so we saw some motion and we didn't investigate hard enough that a lot of them were not using a lot of the information that we were, that we were getting. And a lot of the strategy around ABM really does need to be about understanding that data, staying really on top of it and looking for spikes of when a lot of the idea is we all know that people, uh, especially for tech solutions, they don't just buy things on a whim. You know, we're not talking, like, you don't impulse buy a tech platform. You know, right. it's not like a shirt. So you have to be at the right point in the buying cycle. And a lot of the intent with ABM is trying to get this shadowy picture of where in the buying cycle your, your high targets are and then zooming in like as soon as if you yeah. start seeing interest and start getting the sense that they might be at a point where they're receptive that's when you go in you have to really hit them then and some of that just wasn't like we were passing enormous amounts of data and it's it's overwhelming like it's like the amount of data that gets kicked up like big data is has so much promise but only if you can stay on top of it. Otherwise, it's just noise. And I think we did not work closely enough with the sales team to make sure they understood and were comfortable with when to take action and how what actions were expected. We made too mm. many assumptions of we, we understood it. And I don't think they always did. And there's, I mean... Today's salespeople are increasingly tech savvy, but the type of personality that I find is driven towards sales is not often methodical. Like the type of people who are like really exceptional salespeople often are very charismatic. They're very energetic. They have a lot of people skills, but they're not always like a lot of times part of why they got drawn to sales was they weren't particularly interested in sitting there and watching little charts. And so you need to give them support around that and you need to make sure they're all on board. And I think we had a bit of building a really, really fancy tr like trough to put our water in and we led our horses over and then we wandered off without, I mean, not wander, like we had a lot of other things. Marketing always has a million things to do, but we didn't make sure the horses were drinking. From the mm -hmm. really fancy, beautiful, perfectly engineered water trough. It would... mm -hmm. Well, it's it sounds like they were sort of used to drinking one way. And you essentially yeah. had to teach them how to drink a, a whole new way. And ABM is a very different way of approaching marketing and sales than the traditional way. And that's got its ups and downs as everything does, but it's just, it's different. And you need to understand how the, the rhythms are different and it feels different. And you need to make sure everybody's comfortable with that. Uh, so we definitely had, had some rougher points of realizing that we put all this work into generating all this data and then are we actually doing stuff with 
this data. And I mean, I think that's one of the big challenges that marketers face now is, I mean, it used to, it used to be that you just kind of guessed and you, you, you knew what your end sales were. And there was a lot of art and a lot of guesswork. And we now have all of these tech platforms and they all promise they all promise the world and they mm-hmm. all promise to give you all this deep insight. And I think there are two, two issues. One is which a lot of them kind of overpromise. There's a lot of stuff where you, you, the very best case scenario can throw off all this very useful data and let you track somebody's exact customer journey from, from social to the website, to which pages they visit, to what emails they receive, to which content they've interacted with and so on and so forth. Uh, but in reality, a lot of times as there are transitions, a lot of stuff breaks, a lot of data doesn't get passed through. A lot of data is increasingly anonymized. And I mean, I think that's where we are headed. I think people are increasingly mm. uncomfortable with the amount of data that they're throwing off and uh a lot of the big tech giants are reluctantly starting to respond to that and building more and more privacy features in, which for society, I think is a good thing. For marketing, it makes things a little bit more difficult again. So increase, like even play things that did used to throw off useful data two or three years ago, no longer throw off as much mm-hmm. useful data, or, but it still throws off data. It's just the data is less useful. Mm -hmm. The other challenge is even if all of your tech platforms are giving you actually useful data, there are so many of them now, and there is so much data. And if you're a really, really big company, you know, if you're Apple, then you've got, you know, massive marketing departments and you can have your own data science team and they can crunch all of this data. I think increasingly when you read like the think piece about like what marketers ought to be able to do, and you know, your CEO is always reading the think pieces about their, what their marketers ought to be able to do. There is an assumption that everyone has that kind of resources. And mm-hmm. the fact is, I mean, the majority of companies are not that big. Yeah. And even if you have these piles and piles of data, do you actually have people who have the time and the understanding to then analyze all that data and turn it from data into like actual actionable insights. Yeah. And if the answer is no, then to a certain degree that undermines the value of this platform that you paid a lot of money to get access to. I mean, yeah. So, so, and and each of these platforms, like some of the platforms are only for producing data, but many of them do several things and produce data. So it's not like it is, a waste and you also may use some bits of data or cherry pick specific things yeah but you're net you're like there's a certain promise and you, you go in very excited about oh we're going to be able to do all of these things and then it's like you yeah. and what army yeah right well you know th- there's so much more we could say about this in a way i feel like uh, just scratching the surface but i think you've raised a really important point and i'm glad that that you were on the show to kind of share your experience. So, you know, we'll have to continue this discussion in another episode, frankly. But <laughs> meanwhile, Rebecca, how can people reach you? So I am at, so you can find me on LinkedIn. I am the only Rebecca Rosakis. Of... Oh, really? Okay. 
I actually, my, my maiden name was an extremely common last name to the point that it caused some issues. So when I, when I got married, uh, I actually went with the very unique last name. There's only a handful of Rosakis's in in the U.S. Okay. Uh, and to my knowledge, I think I'm the only Rebecca Rosakis. So I actually pop up pretty easy on Google. Okay, awesome. So well, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn yeah, so in I the think show link, notes. LinkedIn's probably the... the the easiest place. Okay, wonderful. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for your time. This is a great discussion, and and really, I think we will we'll need to have you back on to continue because there's a lot more to talk about. So, but but meanwhile, thank you so much for your time. It was lovely to be here. That's it for this episode of the B two B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.